All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us here. Dropping the gloves. Hope everybody had a good weekend. What about you, Tim? You have a good weekend? Yeah, it was pretty good. I've got allergies just nonstop for about five or six days now. So still still dealing with that. How was your spring, weekend? Spring is in the air. Is, is everything in bloom down there? Is it just beautiful? It is. It is, yeah. I think it's also a new location, all kinds of new allergens. I think if I'm going to go with a fancy word. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's fine. Taking yeah, Clarendon. We, we got springs in the air here. We got six inches of snow this morning. Um, it was, it's been great. It's been totally great. It's nice to see all the flowers just starting to bud and then get absolutely killed by the crushing cold and freezing rain. It was, it's been really great. And all the kids just having just hacking coughs where it sounds like there's just dead dogs in my house that are on their last breath. How many, everywhere. how many of your kids cover their mouths when they cough? Any of them? Unprompted by yes. me yelling at them, cover your mouth. I'd say one of the six consistently covers her mouth when she coughs. The other five <laughs> are just like, it, it's <laughs> interesting. Yeah. At the dinner table. Like right, we have a small table, we have a small house and they're just like throwing germs everywhere. It's insane. It's absolutely <laughs> incredible. And they have they no shame in their game. They're just like, <laughs> and they think it's funny. They're like coughing and they try to one up each other. Who's going to cough the loudest, <sighs> but whatever. It was a good weekend. Spring is in the air. And I was, it got me thinking, Tim, you know, the Vegas golden Knights are having all kinds of salary cap issues. They tried to trade dad enough to ease that, you know, strain a little bit. He makes five schmill a year. They wanted to get out from under that because they, they need, if they have any chance of making the playoffs. And right now I think their chances are fairly slim. They're in a spot as it stands today, but they, they are four games. They played four more games in the Dallas stars. The stars are one point behind them. I, I don't see this. I don't see the Vegas Golden Knights making the playoffs, but if in some world that they do make the, the playoffs, they needed to have Stone to come back to play with Eichel. 
to have any semblance of a chance in the playoffs. They needed to free up some cap space, move dad enough, allow stone to come back, maybe shift someone to the LTIR or Riley Smith, just work the LTIR. That didn't happen. So I, I was looking at the Vegas Golden Knights. I was looking at their salary cap situation. I was looking at their whole team as a whole. And it got me thinking. I've been watching the Sabres closely, as I always do. I'm a big Sabres fan. I grew up watching them. You know who's been filling the score sheets lately? I would say the last month. Tuck and Krebs. They've been playing very, very good. If you go back and you look at the Sabres, their season as a whole, which I did earlier today, I was just, I was curious. They started off the season slow, as they always do. They do. The the Sabres are a bad team. They weren't expected to win this year. They had the whole Jack Eichel drama. It was just a lot going on. They started the season incredibly slow. Over the last month, they've been a tough out. They've been in every single game. If if you're a contending team going into the Buffalo Sabres rink, you assumed it was going to be an easy out. They've won three or four in a row. Their last five games have gone to overtime or a shootout, and they're not playing schlub teams. They're playing Rangers. They're playing the Capitals. They're playing these like pretty competitive playoff caliber teams. And the Sabres... For whatever reason, I don't know if there's their coach, Granado, has been kind of picking them up a little bit. I don't know if they're starting to gel with the new additions of Krebs and Tuck. Whatever it is, they're playing really good hockey. Craig Anderson is playing really well in net. And the Sabres are, are tough out right now. And you contrast that to the Vegas Golden Knights. Ever since Jack Eichel has arrived, they've gone from a team that had, they were in a playoff position. I think they were second in the Pacific. They were doing really well. Enter Jack Eichel. He, he makes his debut on February 17th. They've gone 8, 11, and 1 since then. That's a losing record. This is the guy that's supposed to transform your whole team. Yes, there's been injuries. Yes, I understand all that goes along with that. You're playing in a Pacific division that has the weakest teams in the NHL. Your, your level of competition isn't there. You played your Buffalo Sabres and you lost to them, Vegas Golden Knights, with Jack Eichel in a revenge type game for him. And you came up and you laid an egg. And it just got me thinking, is this trade one of the few moments where the team getting the best player, their team is suffering because of it? Because of those three players, Jack Eichel right now is the best player. I I don't think we can argue that. Maybe he's still shaking off some rust. But this time next year, he will be the best player. But it just got me my head spinning. I've been thinking about it for a couple days now. Did this one acquisition of this star player ruin the Vegas Golden Knights for years to come? Did they make this trade with the anticipation of their GM making supplementary moves to get this guy into the lineup because they, they all knew it, the writing was on the wall. If you trade for Jack Eichel and you have Mark stone and you have Riley Smith and you have Max Petcheretti and you have Roman Lehner and you have Alex Peter Angelo and you have Shea Theodore and you have Jonathan Marshall and you have William Carlson and you have beginning dad enough and you have Chandler Stevenson. All of these guys make a lot of money. You're, if all of these guys are in your lineup, the salary cap is $82 million. You're looking at a hundred some million dollars with all these guys. So they must have had a plan going forward. And somewhere along the way, that plan got derailed. And I don't know what the GM is thinking. I don't know what McCrimmon thought, you know, his crystal ball looked like when he was getting a Jack Eichel, if he could turn around and trade some of these pieces, but it's not looking good. And when you have a losing team, and guys with a lot of money left on their contracts with some decent amount of term, I don't think the suitors are lining up around the block to trade for players that are past their prime, coming off a bad year with a big contract. 
did this one trade, and I know I'm, I'm springing this on you because I've, I've been thinking about this for a while. It's, it's really bothered me. Did this one trade ruin the Vegas Golden Knights' franchise for the next few years? Because you look at the teams that are saddled with these big contracts, the Tampas, the, the teams of past, the Pittsburghs, the Chicagos, even an Edmonton Oilers team when you have two massive contracts. Do you see Vegas taking a step forward next year? with this group knowing that they're going to have to lose three to four guys to get in under the cap because the cap's not going to raise anymore. Like they're not making money this year. We, we saw in Canada, you're still going without fans. That's a big hit to the, the bottom line, the HRR. So the cap, if it does raise, it'll, it'll be a minute, minute amount, maybe a couple million bucks. I don't know. Am I, am I overthinking this or is this trade actually the one instance where the team getting the better player it's being it's worse now. Well, so far it doesn't look good for Vegas, but I'm not really I'm not willing to say that yet because ultimately you have a 25 year old stud under contract for five more years. We expect him to be at least a point per game player. We expect him to anchor the top line. We expect him to be the guy on this team and the face of their franchise. Considering many of their stars are either not to his level or they're older, like Stone and Pacioretty. So I think you know if this works out the way they expect it to, I don't think this is going to be a disaster or derail in the franchise or anything like that. And yeah, so far it hasn't worked well. He hasn't produced. The team has been playing worse off, but the thing that gets me is nice. Um, The thing that gets me too is like, um, you know, they've got, they've got so many players that are hurt. Like even right now, you got Stone in long-term IR, Pacioretty, Robin Lehner, Riley Smith, Alec Martinez missed time. March is so missed time. Like these guys, this is the best players on their team of all missed time. Not to mention Eichel wasn't probably 100% healthy yet. So like when this team's all systems go, yeah, they're probably a threat. And if this team does make the playoffs and the salary cap doesn't matter, this team could be as dangerous as anyone. But like you said, in the offseason comes and the, the, the franchise moving forward, they're going to have some tough decisions to make. And I don't think anyone's going to be chomping at the bit to take on these contracts, even though they're producing, even though Stone's a Selkie level guy, even though Pat Zaretti can still pot 35 plus goals. It's a lot of money that you're taking on and, and Vegas is going to have to maybe eat some of that cap, which doesn't help them out as much as it, as, as it could. So I don't know which pieces you move, maybe a March or so, maybe a Smith, um, Carlson, you got Dadnov, who's who actually played really well since not being traded. Uh, we can get into that, but I don't know. I'm not willing to say yet that this is a disaster or derailing their franchise or anything like that. But so far, it doesn't look good. It doesn't, and the the results, the early results are not good. So Vegas's record with Jack Eichel, I just mentioned, is eight, eleven, and one. That's a win percentage around four point four two. The Sabers' record without Jack Eichel, without Jack Eichel. Their record is 18, 20, 99. That's a winning percentage of 0.38. Pretty close. Very, very similar. The Knights record without Jack Eichel. And this is pre-February 17th when he made his debut. 23, 12, and 3, win percentage of 0.65. If they continue on that pace right now, they're solidly in the second spot in the Pacific Division. Battling, well, maybe not battling for the first spot with the Calgary Flames, but within a stone's throw of the Calgary Flames, if if they continue on that trajectory. So I'm just saying, listen. Facts are facts, Tim, and I'm just laying them out there. When it comes to stats right now, Jack Eichel has one less point than Peyton Krebs. Peyton Krebs is a rookie. He's playing with subpar line mates in Buffalo. I don't, I don't want to besmirch anybody from Buffalo, but he, he's not the Vegas Golden Knights who Jack Eichel can 
walk out with William Cardelson or Marcia Stowe or Stevenson or Dananoff or whoever he's playing with that night. He's not playing with the high-end guys like Jack Eichel is. So he's got four, 15 points. Alex Tuck has 26 points. Eichel has 14 points. And I know he's played a few less games, but I'm just saying – Maybe we're all bailing or balling on Buffalo, throwing shade like, oh, they ruined this. They only got this and that in the first round or in the third round, and they gave up Jack Eichel. He's a he's a great player. Maybe Kevin Adams was onto something. Maybe we owe him an apology. Maybe Jack Eichel is just, you know, too much to deal with. Maybe he's got a little bit of Evander Kane in him where he's just a little bit of a diva. We saw that during the whole process. So I like this. I like that the Sabres are winning this trade so far. I hope they win this trade. I didn't like how Jack Eichel just threw shade at Buffalo. We went into town talking about how their, you know, their fans finally are cheering and this and that and just throwing everybody under the bus. So I enjoy this. I hope Vegas continues to fail. I hope Buffalo continues to improve. And this Peyton Krebs kid turns out to be an absolute stud. And we've always liked Alex Tuck. We saw what he did in the playoffs the last few years. The guy is an absolute machine. He's a perfect asset for a third line team on a team that's contending, a third player, third line player on a team that's contending. So I don't know. I like it. I think it's a good thing. I want the Sabres to continue to develop. Hopefully that first rounder they pick up in 2022, it's a top 10 protected right now, which could actually come into play if Vegas gets a top 10 pick at this point. Who would have thought that at the beginning of the season? So I don't know. It just uh, I was just thinking about it. Something I wanted to bring up. I don't know what you uh, listeners think about this whole trade or what you think about Jack Geico. I'd be interested to know everybody's perspective on this, depending on the what market you're in. I obviously have a tie to the Sabres, so I, I feel like I have to defend them sometimes, especially when a guy like Eichel, they treat him so well for almost a decade, and they they raise him up to this icon status, and then he comes back in and just takes a huge dump on the organization and uh, everything that went along with it. But anyways, we got a new sponsor, Tim. What's old is new again. Manscaped is back for a second round. What do, what do you think of that? You're a hairy I guy. Love it. You, you use Manscaped? <laughs> I love Manscaped. I still use it. I do too. And it's a very good buzzer. I'm not going to be one of the typical Manscaped dads that talks about everything and your brother. I, I, it's not how this show works. We're a family-friendly show. But listen, everybody has hair. I have hair on my face. I have it on my shoulders. I have it on my back. Apparently now I have it on my neck. I have it everywhere. And I use Manscaped to trim up my face, my back, my shoulders. I was actually just shaving my arm the other day to show the kids how the Manscaped razor works. They're like, what is that buzzer thing? I'm like, look, it works good. And like, does it hurt? I'm like, it doesn't hurt at all. It's super soft. You can put it anywhere on your body and it's a beautiful thing. So I did it on my arm. And the kids like, oh, and then I took it to my child who has baby soft skin and I used a razor on her arm and didn't hurt her at all. But anyways, all that being said, Manscaped is back. Go to Manscaped, use promo code GLOVES20. It gets you 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. That's an unbelievable deal. So you can go in, load up everything you want, get 20% off, free shipping. They Here's their little promo code stick. I hate these little reads. After lighting the lamp, Hit the showers with this all-in-one skin and hair care kit that covers you from head to toe. Manscaped is trusted. Now trust them with your hair. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code GLOVES20. That's a good deal. GLOVES20, 20% off. I'd take that. That's not bad. So anyways, if you, if you need some hair care products and it's not just uh, buzzers, they got everything, check them out. It's a good company. They do good products. I don't like how they advertise mostly. I'll just say that, but it's a good product. I do use them. You should use them to help us out. 
gloves 20 is the promo code go to manstate.com do you agree tim or do you you want to get into the nitty-gritty of it no no keep it uh high level we'll keep it classy Buffalo. we'll keep it classy all right moving on power rankings we've missed it the last couple weeks because of the whole chaos of the trade deadline i think we had some illnesses bouncing around the podcast namely myself and my kids just ruining my life with the petri dish of stuff to bring (laughs) home it's just a daily a daily just dose of just everything but now it's time to get back to the power rankings we have had a shift after the deadline there's some teams that got a lot better there's some teams that got a lot worse there's some teams that just stayed the same so we're going to jump into it. The top three, Tim, I want to know, and our listeners want to know who Tim Wurzberger has as his top three teams in the NHL, as it stands today, our year of the Lord, 2022, March 28th. Okay. So with the power rankings, do you, do you pick like if their most talented teams or the team most likely the three teams most likely to go to the Stanley cup? I take the three teams that I think are the best teams in the NHL. So not, not, not Stanley cup, because if that's the case, then if you have a a Florida Carolina situation, you couldn't pick one of those teams because one of them wouldn't go to the Stanley cup and win it. Cause they're, you know what I mean? You'd have to pick a West and that's all I mean. I might not pick Colorado if that was the case. I I'm don't pick think Colorado. They're not, I'm not I, picking that dumpy team. Okay. Well, they're still my top three best teams in the NHL. Like they're okay. literally the best team in the NHL right now. And they're still my pick. So I'm going to go with them. I'm going to go with Florida as my number two. And I know they're one and two. And then I'm going to jump down to Tampa. Tampa still scares me. They're the team I think to, to be in the, in the mm. East. I think, I don't know that. I don't see any team beating them in a seven-game series. I, I go back and forth on this, but when it comes to the, the the roster makeup, the goalie they have, and in a seven-game series, the experience they have, I don't see a Carolina beating them. I don't see a, a Rangers beating them. The Bruins can't beat them, and I don't really know that Florida is there yet. So I think Tampa would be that third team for me. Yeah, Tampa is very dangerous. I'm going to start off my number one with an interstate rival. I think right now the team to beat in the NHL is the Florida Panthers for whatever reason. I, I, I like what they did. They bring in Ben Sherratt. They bring in Claude Giroux, who by the way, has just seamlessly joined that first line with Barkoff and Carter for He's got four points in two games, four assists. He should have had a couple goals the other night, if not for Anton Forsberg, who played out of his mind for Ottawa. So Giroux has played very well. He's, he's pressing it a little bit. But once he settles into that first line role, he's going to be very dangerous. He's taking all the face-offs, which he's always done in the past. When he was having his best years with um, Sean Couturier in Philadelphia, he always took the face-offs, and he's doing the same thing with Barkov. But I like Florida. I like the way they're made up. They're they're so good on offense. They're so well coached with Andrew Brunette, Kitty Cat. I like him. And they have a really good defense. The news on Aaron Ekblad is actually positive. He's going to be back sooner than later. So that'll be good for Florida to kind of get him into the mix with Ben Sherratt. And I like their goaltending. I what are you what are you smirking at me for? No, Spencer Knight's been playing a lot lately. I think he played five games in a row. So I, I like yeah. what you're saying too. I, I like their goaltending. They have a one and a one A. That'll be an interesting thing who they tap on the shoulder for the first start in the first round. I think it will be Bobrovsky. But it, like like I said, Andrew Burnett is a rookie coach. I don't think he has allegiance to any one of these goaltenders. He's going to play the goaltender who's been playing great. And Spencer Knight has been playing really good lately. So Florida's my my number one team. 
My number two, I, I've waxed poetically about this team. I think they're just really, really good. I think they're the best team in the West at the Calgary Flames. Much like the Florida Panthers, I just like the way they're made, top to bottom. Their forwards are incredible. When your fourth-line guy is now a healthy scratch guy in Sean Monaghan, who makes over $5 million bucks, he's a former 30-goal goal scorer in this league, and you have, you have the luxury of being able to sit him out and say, you know what? We don't need you in the lineup, Sean Monahan. We got more than enough up front. If you don't want to play the way game that I want to that I want you to play, you're bench. And so he's been he's a healthy scratch. A five plus million dollar guy is a healthy scratch. A 30 plus goal scorer in this league is a healthy scratch for the Calgary Flames. They bring in Ryan Carpenter from Chicago. He's a really good fourth line center. I like the Calgary Flames. I like their defense. I like their goaltender, obviously, and their coach. And everybody says, and you you brought it up. Everyone thinks there's this very defensive team. They score goals. They are an offensive team and they are disciplined and they just do everything right. So uh, we're going to get into an MVP talk in a little bit because they got a couple guys in this team who could rightfully be MVPs in the NHL. That's how good of a season all these guys are having. I bounced around for my third pick. Carolina, I didn't like what they did at the deadline, bringing in Max Domi. Yeah, we'll see how Maxi plays out there. Colorado, I wanted to put them in there. I still might put them in there, but my third pick is going to be Tampa Bay. I agree with you. Tampa Bay's scary. I liked what they did at the deadline, bringing in Nick Paul, bringing in, uh, I'm blanking on the other guy's name. Hagel. Um, Brendan Hagel. Hagel from Chicago. I just really enjoyed those moves. I think that solidifies their only weakness, their minute weakness, weakness if they have one, that third and fourth line when they got absolutely decimated from the last Stanley Cup run, when they just got picked apart. Yanni Gord, Blake Gaudreau, Barclay Coleman. You know what I mean? I switched up the first names. Who cares? So those are my three teams. I got Florida, I got Calgary, I got Tampa Bay. If we went into the playoffs right now, I, 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 my teams will be Calgary coming out of the West and Florida or Tampa Bay coming out of the East if they played the playoffs starting today. So those are my top three. I don't talk, email me if you think I'm wrong or tweet, tweet at me, bro. I dare you. All right. Bottom three, Tim. The, the seller dwellers, the teams that have no business being in the NHL, who do you have for your bottom three NHL teams that are just embarrassing themselves on a nightly basis? I got to start with Montreal. Um, even though they've, they've been, been playing Montreal, pretty well, no. but they're the first team eliminated from the playoffs. Um, yeah. So they got to be, they got to be on that list. And it's too bad. I like this team. I like that group. So I think they'll bounce back next year. Probably not another cup run, but I think they could be a playoff team next year. Um, next I'm going to go with Seattle also just, there's nothing, there's nothing to, what, what can you say positively about that team? Nothing other than the draft picks they've obtained over the last next couple of years. Um, so they could have a bright future, but there's nothing like, Oh, at least they have like Jordan Eberle will score 20 goals. Like, you know, whatever. Um, and then finally, I'm going to go with Ottawa, the Ottawa senators, disappointing i expected better from them not that they i didn't think they'd be a playoff team but let's not forget this is the year to win right that's what that's what doran said and they on paper they should be better than they play and they're the fourth worst team in the league uh, that doesn't sit right with me i think they should be a better team I, I hope they take some step forward in the next year they've got a lot of young players who are getting a lot of ice time right now that's good for them um i do think they'll be better next year but this is still disappointing yeah they're bad but they compete you know, so you got to give them that much. They they do have a good competitive nature to them. My three, I think it's the no-brainer Seattle's number one. They're just a bad team. They 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 lost their captain, Mark Giordano. They just 
there's nobody there. Kale Yonmark, who could have been their best player. I don't know. Seattle's number one for me in the bottom of the rankings. They're the worst team in the NHL. Right behind them, not too, uh, not too far second is the Arizona Coyotes. I just, I, I, I can't do it with these guys. I, I really can't. And then my third team, you know, it's, it's a tricky one. It's a team that we loved at the beginning of the season. They were a revelation. All these young players coming in, making a big difference, highlight real goals. It's the Anaheim Ducks. What? Yeah. They have just been playing. Third worst team in the league? They're Right now, I think they're the bottom three team in the league. They've lost like five or six in a row. They're one, seven, and two in their last 10. And they're not losing to good teams. I think... Since the trade deadline, even before that, they've just been playing bad hockey. The last, like, listen to the last, they lost four to one of the Sharks, four to two to the Ducks, six or four to two to the Hawks, six to three to the Predators, three to nothing for the Florida Panthers, four to three to the Rangers, four to three to the Islanders. They lost two to one to the Devils. They lost four to one again to the Predators. They lost eight to three to the Blackhawks. They, they squeaked by the San Jose Sharks in overtime. They have not been beating teams five to four. They lose to the Vegas Golden Knights. So I just think they've, they've thrown it in. They've thrown the talent. They know they're not going to make the playoffs. They're just punting to next year. These young guys, they had a good run. Maybe they hit the rookie wall as every rookie hits. They're not ready for a full 82 game season. And that's it. That's they're my third. It's shocking to me too, Tim. Because I expected a lot more from the Anaheim Ducks midway through the season when they were first in the Pacific Division. Do you remember that? They were first. And they, I, everybody was like, what is going on with this team? It's They have such a bright future. It's going to be great. I was on the, I was drinking the Kool-Aid. And now they're, now they're in my bottom three. How, how time, how fast time changes. Isn't it amazing? I'm, I'm thunderstruck. <laughs> Go watch my fight. With West Kevin Westgarth, Pat Foley, probably one of the best fight calls ever. Kevin Westgarth, you just been thunderstruck. I watch that every morning. Every morning when I wake up, I watch that, and it just gets me going for the day. What when do you look in the do? mirror? You're smart <laughs> enough. <laughs> Doggone it, people like you. All right, well let's let's do this. Since the deadline, who do you think has jumped the most from you know maybe a middle of the pack team or a top ten, and it has vaulted themselves up into a. a a higher level who's who's made the biggest jump a couple teams come to mind i'm not just saying that i think boston got a lot better at the trade deadline yeah, they did that hemp is the top pairing left left shot demon who can play in all situations with exactly what they needed i wanted ryan Suter in the offseason that's why i thought they were going to go get and they got a player who's even better at this point in his career and younger under contract now so i think they probably are on the list of teams who got even better um, Florida, you have to say, you know, Giroux and Sherrod, those are two really big pieces that they added. Um, even though they traded away Frank Petrano, who was a good depth scorer. He had two goals for the Rangers the other night. Um, and then my third team was probably Minnesota. You know, you go out and get the best goalie in the market. Um, he's already got a nice moment over the weekend. He got his first win. He got a standing O from the crowd. He got some flowers. And, uh, you know, he's definitely appreciated and welcomed there in Minnesota. They won six in a row. So those would be my picks. Yeah, I'm not going to do three. I think Minnesota has made the biggest jump. Minnesota, and, and like you said, Boston. I, I think, gosh, it's so funny how confidence is a real thing in hockey. Because it's not they're not really interchanging anybody in their five or six game winning streak with the Minnesota wild Flurry's only played one game. Cam Talbot has been playing great. 
The team has been playing inspired. They, they want to win now. I, I think getting a Marc-Andre Fleury really sent a message to the players saying, you know what, we are a good team. They, I, they don't really have – I know Kaprizov is a very, very good hockey player. I wouldn't put him in the list of a superstar. That that aura surrounding him of a Stamkos and Ovechkin, a, a Kucherov, those type of players who they're, – they're superstars. You know what I mean? He's a very good player. He's probably just as talented, but he's not a superstar. I think getting Marc-Andre Fleury, a first, a first ballot Hall of Famer as soon as he retires, I think that sent a message to the team that, hey, man, like we're just as good as these guys. We can go out, we can compete. And they gave him a little boost of confidence. And I think that's actually helped. And now they're like, they're beating good teams. They beat the, they beat the avalanche last night in Colorado and Colorado does not lose much at home. I think they've lost less than five games or six games at home all season long. So Minnesota could be a team to watch. We saw who they are in the playoffs the last few years. They're a pesky out. They're a hardworking team and getting that boost of confidence, getting Mark Andre flurry. I think that's, that was a, big mental thing for them to kind of get over that hump of the, we're not good enough. Duh. We're, we're, we're bad. We're, I know we're going back to that guy again, but I think that was a big thing for them. I think Minnesota, I think they're the, the biggest change of a team from pre to post trade deadline. All right. Which, which single player, Tim, you mentioned Hampus Lindholm. I've mentioned Mark Andre Fleury, which single player do you think will have the greatest impact on a team? Ooh, um, you know, I. Phew, that's a hard question. Uh, it because, is. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, this is a hard question. I'm gonna say Sherratt for Florida, only because that was a need that they had. I think he's the, mm-hmm. exactly the type of defenseman we've seen in recent years, like with uh, David Savard and, and Muzzin, those guys that can just be absolutely rock solid for you on a deep playoff run that don't get hurt that often. They can log their heavy minutes, and I think that's exactly the type of defenseman that you can rally around. So, But, again, there's so many good players that got moved. It's hard to say. I don't think he's the most talented player, but I think he'll have the biggest impact for his new team. Yeah, I – I, I, I agree with you. He's talented, but I think they did have a good defense even before getting him. That just pushed him over the top. I want to say Mark Andre Fleury just because he plays the most important position in hockey. Goaltender, he, he impacts every single game. But I'm going to go with Tyler Toffoli. You know, it was before the deadline. He he was he's a proven playoff performer. He's comfortable in a Sutter offense. He knows what he's getting himself into, and he makes Calgary such a balanced team. Before that trade. I mentioned Monaghan wasn't playing very well. Their second line wasn't as dangerous. They had Blake Coleman playing on the second line. He's not a second line guy. They tried Trevor Lewis there. They tried Dylan Dubé, who's a somewhat of a goal scorer. It didn't work there. Now you can put Tyler Toffoli with Andrew Mangiampani and Michael Backlund. That's a really good second line. And it pushes all those guys down into a, a line that they're more suitable in. Blake Coleman is a fantastic third-line guy. We saw that with Tampa Bay. Dylan Dupe is still a young guy who can get up and down the ice, and a Kale Yonkrock is a perfect third-line guy. Like You know what I mean? He's a good third-line guy. He can score you some goals. He's good defensively. He doesn't make any mistakes. I just think it makes their lineup so – it just – everything fits. You're not trying to put a square peg into a round hole. So I think Tyler Toffoli is and will be in the playoffs the most valuable piece – going forward because he will turn that Calgary Flames team and he already has, he will turn them into a Stanley cup winner. I truly believe Calgary will win the Stanley cup this year. It's crazy as it seems at the beginning of the year. If you were going to pick a team from Alberta, it would have been Edmonton. Now they're 
scratching to make the playoffs and Calgary is just, I just like myself some Calgary. I don't know what it is. I, I love their defense. Like they, they, I just love Calgary. I don't know what it is. All right, go moving on. We'll stay in Alberta. There was a big game in Alberta, Tim. What happened in that game? Yeah. Over the weekend, the flames beat Calgary or the flames beat Edmonton nine to six. Um, all nine goals happened at five on five. This wasn't like a penalties that cost him. Johnny Gaudreau, five assists. He's now third in the league with 90 points. He's on pace for 114. Now, nine to six, that's a, that's a lot of offense. We know the Flames are better than the Oilers. I don't think anyone would dispute that. Are they this much better? Or is this just one game? Or are they that much better than, the, than Edmonton? Yeah, they are. Hands down, they're that much better. Edmonton can keep up with you. And and we saw that in this game. You know, it, it was a really good game. It was four four, I think, after the second period or midway through the second. It was, and then Calgary, though. Calgary just took over. They they just said, you know what, we're too deep, we're too strong, we're too physical, and they just outplayed them. And the thing with Calgary is they're not they're not a perimeter type team. They're not going to you know dance around you. They're not going to try to you know toe drag you. They're going to go right through you. And they have talent to boot. They're skilled, they're physical, and they do not, and they know it, which is scary. So when they come into your rink, they're going to punch you in the face and they're going to put nine goals on the board and they're going to embarrass you. Getting scored nine goals against five on five is absolutely embarrassing. It really is. It says a lot about your team. I know they've been on a winning streak. Everyone's all in on the Edmonton Oilers again since Jay, Jay Woodcroft has joined. You know, they started the season hot, then they went into the dump, and now they're back. Jay Woodcroft hasn't playing great. They've been winning. Go look at the teams the Edmonton Oilers have been beating. I saw their schedule, and I said it. To, I think it was to Tim or somebody else. I said the Oilers are going to go on a massive winning streak because they're playing just garbage teams, and they play garbage teams to the end of the season. And it's going to look great. Everybody's going to have the warm and fuzzies going with Edmonton. Look at the teams they're beating. They're non-playoff teams. They're going around. They're playing the Devils, the Sabres, the Islanders, the the Ducks, the Sharks, all these teams, and they're whooping up on the bad teams, and they're getting good confidence, and then they run into a team like the Calgary Flames, and they get smacked back into reality. And it's like Calgary is that much better. Every facet of the game, they are better than. The only thing that the Edmonton Oilers have better than the Calgary Flames, two players, McDavid and Dreinsaitl, score more points. They're individually better. If there was a skills competition, those two guys would be better. Everything else, Calgary is better. Every single line is better. I would take Calgary's first line over Edmonton's first line. I would take Calgary's second, third, fourth line. I would take their sec- first, second, third deep pairing. I would take both goalies over, over Edmonton's goalies. I would take Calgary's coach. I would take Calgary's arena. I would take Calgary's bus. I would take Calgary's plane. I would take Calgary's food options after the game. Everything is better in Calgary. So, Yes, I will say that, yes, Calgary is definitively better than the Edmonton Oilers in every single possible way. Is that clear enough? Yes, yes. Thank you for elaborating on that. And talk about a reason why Calgary is better. Talk about, let's talk about Johnny Gaudreau, a guy who I thought at the beginning of the season should be traded for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Last season in Calgary, Things got off to a rocky start with Daryl Sutter. Rightfully so. Things were said in the, in the media. They didn't get along. 
Daryl Sutter, Sutter, I hate that last name. I can't stand it. I always question myself before I say it, and I end up butchering it every single time. Their head coach challenged Johnny Hockey. Johnny Hockey pushed back. Things were said. They went into the offseason. They must have had a meeting of the minds, washed things out, hashed things over, because Johnny Gaudreau right now is playing great hockey. We talk about MVPs. We talk about people who should be thought of in the MVP um, topic, the category. Is Johnny Gaudreau one of those guys at the end of the day, he should be in the MVP category topic. Should he have the Hart Trophy on his mantle at the end of the season? I don't know if I can say that, but he should absolutely be in the conversation. He's third in the league with points tied with uh, Jonathan Huberdeau. Like, he's been on an absolute tear lately. And I think what he has going for them that the guys ahead of him, McDavid and Dreisaitl, don't is he plays on a good team. And I think you have to give some credence to that. It's not just oh, he's the best player on a bad team and he's putting up these points. Like, you know, look at the top 10 point scorers. McDavid, Dreisaitl, both not on great teams. Huberdeau on a good team. Gaudreau on a good team. Matthews on a good team. Kachuk on a good team. Kyle Connor out of the playoffs. Kaprizov on a good team. Kadri, Yossi, both on good teams. It's like you, you got to give some some extra weight when he's not only producing, but helping his team produce and get wins. And I think that's where Johnny can, could be solidly in that conversation. Yeah, I agree. I, I think we we have rewarded McDavid and Leon Dreinsidel the last few years for putting up points and they're putting up points at an epic scale. And they're doing it again this year. They, they both almost have a hundred points. Like it's impressive what they're doing, but at some point you have to take a step back and be okay. What does the MVP really mean? Does it mean that the player who gets the most points, because that's going to be McDavid every single year, the guy is single-handedly the best player in the NHL. He is, uh, he is unbelievable. But when do you say, you know what, getting points isn't everything. You have to play a whole complete game of hockey. You have to know how to play hockey. You have to know when to reel it back in a little bit. You have to know when to, you know what, I'm not going to get the puck and try to wind it up this time. It's the playoffs. I'm not going to risk trying to go coast to coast or passing it across the ice and turning it over and having Chicago come back and score and we lose in the first round again if I'm Connor McDavid. Maybe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know the situation. What is an MVP? That's what I want to know. I, I would like to know the voting criteria. Is it the guy who just puts up the most points and has the most endorsement, endorsements and put, gets their face on the video game? Because that's the, in my mind, that's not what an MVP is. An MVP is a guy who makes her team better and pushes her team down the road towards a championship. David hasn't done that. Dryan Sino hasn't done that. Done that. Huberto hasn't done that. Goudreau hasn't done that. But this year, they are doing that. They are taking their team to a new level. In my mind, the MVP conversation right now should be Jonathan Huberdeau, should be Roman Yossi, should be Kale McCarr, should be Igor Shashurskin, and maybe Austin Matthews, maybe. You got to put him in there. But yeah, he would be a fringe guy because right now he's not even leading, leading the league in goals. He's tied with Dreinside. So that can go out the window. But those four guys, Huberdeau, Gaudreau, uh, McCarr, Yossi, five guys, and Igor Shashurskin. I think those five guys deserve to have MVP conversations had about them. I don't think you can give it to McDavid and try and settle this year. I don't think you can do it. Even if Freddie Anderson is having a really good year. I just, I don't know. And I know people will yell and scream, it's the best player, it's the best player. Getting points isn't all there is to hockey. There's a lot of nuances that go into it. You have to play a complete game, 200 feet, up and down the ice. That's why, I don't know, Patrice Bergeron is a perfect example. When he retires, it's going to be hard to, who else is there? Ryan O'Reilly, I guess, or Sean Couturier, those guys. The 200-feet hockey, defensive hockey, Jonathan Taves, when he was in his prime, he, he epitomized what it was to be a complete hockey player. So I just don't think McDavid or Dreinsettle is that type of player just yet. 
And maybe they never will be, which is okay, but they'll set all kinds of records. And when you look back at their career, they'll have, you know, top five in scoring. He's won the Hart Trophy 15 times. He's got all this. Oh, what's missing? He hasn't won a Stanley Cup. Sorry, but look at all the other trophies he has, but he has no Stanley Cups. So, and Steven Stamco sacrificed his game. He, he was a high scoring, high, high power offense guy, high octane guy. Didn't like playing defense. He, he changed his himself. He's a very good responsible forward. Now he doesn't take chances like he used to. He's always back in the rush. He's always picking up guys. And he knew he couldn't keep being that player that he was if he wanted to win a championship. But now look at him. He's got two rings to his name. He's a, he's not leading the league in goals every single year, but he's also a darn good hockey player. So there's my spiel. I, I think the MVP conversation, if I ever do get a vote for it, which I hopefully will, I'm going to go for Johnny Gaudreau. Tim, what's Johnny Gaudreau's favorite food? Ham and cheese sandwiches. Are you kidding me? Ham and cheese sandwiches? You're, you're not, you're all my life. You know what you can get on DoorDash? Ham what? and cheese sandwiches. You can get ham Are and cheese serious? sandwiches. I am I love very one. serious. And I bet you, if you worked it correctly, you could get Johnny Gaudreau to make you a ham and cheese sandwich. I don't know if that's in, in, in Calgary, in Calgary only, because I, I bet you can make that work on the DoorDash app. Check it out. Maybe Johnny's on there. If you're not in Calgary, you can go to Subway. You can go to another sandwich shop. Get yourself a ham and cheese sandwich. Get what the MVP eats and do it on DoorDash. So check it out. Go to DoorDash.com. Pull it up on your phone, your computer, your tablet. Enter promo code GLOVESDD if you're in Canada and Calgary, especially. GLOVESDD US if you're in the United States. You get 20% off. 25% off. You get free delivery. You get all this great stuff, and you get some food, and you get to be like Johnny Gaudreau, the ham and cheese sandwich. I would do anything to just to be like Johnny Hockey, just to have that cool first name, John. <gasps> I do. Oh, my goodness. I'm just like him. We're the same. But if it- not everybody is named John. So get your DoorDash app going. Fire it up. Promo code GlovesDD in Canada, GlovesDD US in the US of A. If you had to pick a player in the NHL who is the most opposite from you, would that be Johnny Gaudreau? He would be probably on the list. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Skilled, fast, just everything that I wasn't. Tiny. Tiny. Yeah. He would be up there. Like a Alex Debrinkit, guys like that. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Tim. Thanks for bringing You're it welcome. up. Appreciate it. All right, let's, <laughs> do some, let's do some quick hits and get out of here. Yeah, I mentioned already the Montreal Canadiens have been officially eliminated from the playoffs. And now we, we're in a situation at one point where – they're out of the playoffs. Islanders aren't making the playoffs. The Vegas Golden Knights were out of the playoffs, and Tampa was in a wild card spot. Those are the final four teams last year. Now, Tampa won again. Vegas has won, so they're in that last place in the West. But still, a lot of parody, which is what you like to see. Love parody. Absolutely love it. What else? Um, Evgeny Dadov. we talked about this already, too. But in the two games since the whole trade deadline debacle, and he was it, where is he going, Anaheim, back to Las Vegas, blah, blah, blah. In the two games, he scored two goals, three assists, five points. And one of those game, those goals, by the way, was an overtime winner for Vegas Golden Knights in a game they absolutely needed to win to put him back in a playoff spot. So there's some hockey god irony there for you. Well, good on, you know, good on him. Because to be that mentally strong, to go back into that locker room, most guys would just curl up and just not want to be around the guys and be embarrassed of what just happened. But good on him for kind of lacing his skates up and going out there and doing his job and, and honestly good on Pete DeBoer putting him out there in the OT putting him back on the second line letting him have some ice time giving him an opportunity and he's a good player and he is a good player they just needed to move him because of salary cap implications so yeah it, it's, it's a feel good story all right what else we got 
Speaking of big blowout wins, the Penguins oh. beat the Detroit Red Wings 11 to 2 oh. last night. Another. Um, so Dmitry Filipovic uh, had this great stat that he tweeted out. The Red Wings have had games this season where they've given up zero goals, one, two goals, three goals, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and eleven. All this season. Imagine giving up in a single season, giving up eight, nine, ten, and eleven goals. That's crazy. We talked about, and they're actually not even top three in goals against this year, um, which just shows how many bad teams there are at the bottom of the of the league. But yeah, this is wild. Feast or famine with the the Detroit Red Wings. They're either going to give up eight plus, or they're going to shut you out. And so it's that team is just I can't wrap my head around them. They have like a lot of good pieces and they they show glimpses of the the potential they're going to be, but then they have games like this where they just get shelled 11 to 2 and they have no business being anywhere near a hockey rink. You feel bad for friend of the show Alex and Delkovich because there there are nights when he's just like left out like he's left out to dry. The defense is nowhere around him and he's just getting shelled. So poor guy, poor Detroit. There is light at the end of the tunnel, there, there, there is brighter days ahead for the Detroit Red Wings, but right now it's, uh, it's not good. All right. Okay. Get, get your gloating out, Tim, go get this over with. Yeah. Jack Hughes. want to check in on him. It's been, it's been a couple of weeks <laughs> since he returned from injury at the end of December, he has played in 35 games. He has 22 goals, 28 assists, 50 points in 30, in those 35 games. I think, again, I'm saying it again, he's going to have 100 points next year. He might get 100 this year, Pete's sake. <laughs> this is the way he's going. I don't think he gets 100 next year. We'll have to make that bet. But um, good on good on him. The Devils, they're, they're losing. You know, that's, that's awesome. He's putting up points and the Devils are losing. So that's, that's always a good combination. So good for Jack. And then I saw this last night, just throwing this in there. Austin Matthews scored his career-high 48th goal, but with perfect like, chef's kiss irony, it was an empty netter. I knew you'd get a kick out of that. This is stupid. You know, whatever. <laughs> Good for him. He's he, he's now overtaken Dryde Seidel. Chris Kreider has not slowed down, by the way. He is right there. If he, if he gets hot, he could be right in the conversation. He's four behind Matthews. And Kreider doesn't get any empty net goals. I, I bet you of Kreider's 44 goals, maybe one or two is an empty netter. The rest are legit goals. Dryan Seidel's probably got a couple. Matthews, we know he's got one. He's probably got a handful more. And Ovechkin, I think, has 25 empty net goals. It's insane. The guy just so many empty net goals. But yes, very good. Fans like the goals. You know what else they like, Tim? Gambling. Gambling. People love it. What are we doing tonight? What are we putting our money on, Tim? Give me something. There are so many bad teams playing tonight. We got Sabres and Blackhawks. We got Kraken and Kings. Here's one. Arizona Coyotes have surprised a few teams this year. They've beaten Colorado in Colorado. They've beaten the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Tonight they play against Edmonton in Edmonton. Give me the Coyotes over the Oilers tonight. Give it to me. I want it. All right. Um, I would just maybe put a little amount on that. I do think the Oilers are going to bounce back after that. Plus three ten. Plus three ten. You're going to win a lot of money on this one. You're going to lose. You're going to lose. So that yeah. Okay. You do that, Tim. I hope Arizona wins. I really do. But I think the Oilers, like I said, they have a soft schedule in the next month. 
to the end of the season, they are going to win some hockey games. So if you want to bet on a team to the end of the end of the season, I would say bet on the Oilers. They, they will go over 500. They'll win more than they lose and you'll win, win some money, but not tonight. Not tonight. Tonight's Arizona's night. And tonight's your night, everybody. So go out and have a good time. Thank you for listening. We appreciate the support. We'll check you back in on Wednesday. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.